1: And subscribe to the podcast
0: hi and welcome back to two therapists talking I'm David and I'm Sherry and today we want to talk about something that is really important to both of us and Mm -hmm. to most of our listeners there's always so much to talk about however Sherry has done a wonderful job and of late even focusing on this subject and so we thought that it would be a really good one for our podcast The subject is trauma. Trauma. Just saying the word (laughs) almost gives you a reaction, right? Well, we want to talk about what trauma is. Do you have it? And what does it mean if you do? Yeah. We want to really expand your understanding on this subject and get you feeling like you really know what it is, eventually what to do with it. Trauma, we... Have a definition that we like, although it's simple. Technically speaking, trauma is any deeply distressing or disturbing experience.
1: Yeah, a little dictionary definition. Very like quick and simple to to say, but then there's so many effects of that, right? That can be a physically traumatic event. That can be emotionally traumatic.
0: Right. Right. In fact, there's another definition that we both like. According to the American Psychological Association, trauma is an emotional response to a terrible event like an accident, rape, or natural disaster. However, a person may experience trauma as a response to any event they find physically or emotionally threatening or harmful. Yeah. And when you think of that definition, there is a lot that happens in our lives that by definition would be considered trauma or traumatic. Mm -hmm. Not that you needed to hear that from us, right?
1: Right. Yes. Yeah. I have a lot of times clients will have just these little things that happen in childhood or, you know, with someone that they dated or, you know, just things that aren't, you know, a huge long-term, you know, I was sexually abused for eight years or, you know, things like that. But maybe it's someone who, maybe a situation with one of their parents where they were, they felt really abandoned or felt really put down in that moment. And their parents normally pretty decent, but in that moment it was really hard. Or a bullying situation at school that may have been a one-time thing that they just go back to and think about and it was really hard for them in that moment there's so many different things that can be traumatizing to us
0: right and I I often hear that unless it's a really big major thing like that you couldn't possibly have trauma Mm -hmm. and that is one of the things we want you to see differently yes There's a lot more traumatic things happening than we maybe think because it's not a big event. It's not a rape, for example, or a car accident or the death of someone close to you that was unexpected. It doesn't have to be that. If you think about just being a child, you'll have traumatic events that you remember that not necessarily you think that they were traumatic, but you remember things happening that were a big deal at the time and you mm-hmm. still think about them.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: And by definition that's what trauma is. It's something that was disturbing enough that it's impacted your life and mm-hmm. I have memories like that. I know Sherry does and yeah. you do too. And so trauma trauma can be a lot bigger than we tend to think and that's one of the things we want you to really consider.
1: Yeah. It's more of a it's more of a common thing. And there's nothing wrong with that.
0: There's nothing wrong with that, which is another really important point we hope to make is that you're not weird or abnormal that you've experienced trauma or that these dysfunctional or that these traumatic things continue to impact you.
1: Mm.
0: One thing I I like to say is that you're not reacting abnormally. You're acting normally to an abnormal situation. Yes. So it's not that you're crazy or that if you were more mature or more experienced or Mm -hmm. more something, you would be handling whatever is happening completely differently. Yeah. In my experience, that's not the case at all. It's a big deal that's happened and you are doing the best you can and you're actually going through a very normal reaction to whatever this thing was.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I say that all the time too. You're having a normal reaction to your experiences and it's experience that is abnormal and you don't have to feel crazy or weird or there's something wrong with you. And that's, and that's big too. And one of the things we're going to talk about is everyone is different. Your DNA is different. Your personality is different. Your life experiences are different. So you may experience something In a different way than someone else. So something that is traumatizing for you may or may not feel traumatizing to someone else. And we see that sometimes like in families where, you know, you have two siblings that were present for the same event, Mm -hmm. right? You're raised in the same household and can come away with very different experiences, very different. Like one was traumatized by something and the other one wasn't. And so that doesn't mean that the person who was traumatized, like, oh, wow, they're just kind of a mess and they should have gotten over it. It's not that big of a deal, clearly, because this other person wasn't traumatized by that event. It's what is going on for you and how your DNA, how your life experiences, how your personality and what you made the meaning that you made of the situation and how that affected you. It's all how all of those things play into that trauma space.
0: Yeah, and a lot of it is just the relationship you have with that person, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think about just my own family. My siblings will say something like, I remember that differently. Yes. And isn't that interesting? It was the same thing, and we were even present for the same thing. But based yeah. on my relationship with that parent or that person, it feels different to yeah. me. And there's there's not a right or a wrong here. Mm-hmm. We We tend to see things that way, but... We want you to challenge yourself a little bit as you listen to trauma and what it is and how it shows up. And really with this idea we've talked about in past episodes, the Cole approach, complete acceptance without judgment. We want you to look at your situation and think about your life, your experiences, the trauma you've been through, how it's showing up, but all from a place of love, Mm -hmm. all from a place of curiosity curiosity and not anger. Not disappointment that you are feeling certain things, shame. Uh Uh-huh. We don't want that. This is just
1: part of life and part of the experience of going through life. And so hopefully there will be some validation there for you, some support. and, And as we talk about this also from a framework of addiction and betrayal trauma, you know, that's a phrase that we have. But... So often a lot of the experiences of the person who's addicted or has the compulsions that there is a lot of trauma related to how they ended up where they are. And so this isn't just, you know, an episode on, okay, well, let's, you know, look at that betrayed spouse and really focus on that. Like, you know, as an addicted spouse.
0: Right. Right everybody
1: take a look at that too this is an everybody thing and this understanding trauma better is going to help you but it's also going to help you to have so much more empathy understanding and love for the people around you right which again goes back to kind of one of our major themes around the importance of learning to love better and when you understand people it's like i always say when you understand people they make sense so really being able to understand trauma for other people as well as in your own life is going to help you connect better. It's going to help you have empathy and understanding.
0: Yeah. Sherry was talking before the session about, was it the Greek word for trauma?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It comes from the word, the Greek word for wound. And I'm not even attempt to try to say the Greek word, <laughs> but <laughs> But it comes from the word for wound, and that is huge, both physically, you know, it manifests physically, right? Physical trauma, but also emotional wounds. And I liked what, what David was saying. Here we go. We're talking about all the things we were talking about before we started, but just this concept that it's about, you know, it's about love, and it's about the ways that maybe you weren't loved or you were hurt in some way and you know healing that as we talk about that comes will come from a place of love so that'll be later on that we're talking about that but the those wounds those emotional wounds usually come from that the hurt that comes from not loving yourself or someone not loving you or you not loving someone else and in the best ways
0: and, and the impact that has on our lives yeah So this woundedness that we're trying to heal, and it's going to be hard to heal from your trauma if you don't want to recognize that you have it or the ways that it's showing up. Mm -hmm. Maybe perhaps you think you should be stronger or you think that you should have gotten over something. Whatever gets in the way of you being open and accepting to a healing process for you, we want you to reconsider. Yeah. We want you to really make healing from trauma, the trauma in your life, a priority. Mm-hmm. And none of this is, you know, it stands alone from everything else we've talked about. It's all interwoven. It's all connected. Yeah, We've talked about the dailies, the Cole approach, loving. All of that is healing. Only with this, hopefully, the focus on trauma helps you to see your life and your situation more clearly.
1: Mm-hmm. And just like we were talking about, everybody has these traumas. Everybody has these experiences. You, know, you might remember from the first episode, David talking about his experiences growing up and the trauma that comes as a result of being a child of divorce and some of the different relationship things that happen. And that's a traumatizing thing. We've all experienced trauma throughout our lives. Little big, big T traumas. Little T traumas, little things that hurt us, big things that hurt us. And it's a natural part of life.
0: It is. And, you know, when I think about, I was in, you could call it a trauma reaction a lot. I just didn't recognize it. And I think... Growing up. Growing up, yeah. Mm-hmm. When we talk about what people who are in trauma need, if, if trauma is woundedness, Mm-hmm and we need healing, the healing comes in the form of this love and acceptance Mm -hmm. for ourselves, Mm -hmm. others loving and accepting us. And I think about growing up, there was, for me, a lot of unknowns, a lot of chaos, a lot of I didn't know what was happening, moving a lot. And one of my reactions, I have a lot of reactions, one of my reactions (laughs) was to just isolate and withdraw and pull away, and nobody... And really nothing is safe for me. And so I didn't make a lot of friends. I wouldn't really go out of my comfort zone. I wouldn't talk to people. I would very much prefer to just be hidden somewhere invisible. Nobody Mm -hmm. would expect much from me. Nobody would ask much from me. I didn't have a lot of confidence that I could provide anyway. And so I would just withdraw. And you see how a situation like that, it's really easy to feel unwanted. It's really easy to feel unimportant, and I was doing a lot of this because I was intentionally staying away from getting to know people or putting myself out there. And when you back, go
1: through some of these things too, you feel like, well, maybe nobody else understands. Nobody right. else has been there, so
0: nobody would understand. Nobody, nobody would yeah, care. Yeah,
1: nobody would care, and then which isn't true.
0: But that's where I was, that's that's what it felt like, yeah. Yeah. So my trauma reaction kept a lot of love and acceptance from me Mm -hmm. because I would withdraw and I would isolate and it affected me very well into adulthood. I don't know, I think I was naturally sensitive anyway. I -hmm. think I'm more of an introvert anyway, didn't date really didn't <laughs> didn't want to do much, that now looking back I can say kept me safe so that I wouldn't have to risk rejection or yeah. abandonment. If I put okay. myself out there and you get to know me but you don't want to be with me or spend time with me,
1: that hurts that a lot. Hurts a lot.
0: That's yeah. just confirmation for this idea that I'm not worth it, mm-hmm. I'm not enough. Yeah. And so I was lonely, I was alone a lot of yeah. my life. And that sounds terrible. I had a lot of good things, too. But, but I. that's
1: the feeling that you were feeling, mm-hmm. and that's a valid feeling for your experience, right? And that's what yeah. we want to make sure that each of you, hopefully by the end of the, times, the time that we are talking about trauma, understand and, and feel that, yeah, that was real for you. It's it, very it, real. Even being around people and having good experiences and whatever, there's that core space in you because of all the things that had happened, you know, with, with growing up and that caused that, that have you feeling that way.
0: And I didn't recognize it as trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, when there were good experiences, I didn't trust them. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, this is fun and this is good, but it, it's not dependable. It's not reliable. Yes, and so last. I still wouldn't put myself out there. I wouldn't risk yeah. very much. Yeah. And so I just didn't make a lot of friends. <laughs> I didn't really care. I kind of convinced myself I don't need it, whatever. But I yeah. did. Yeah. And looking back, I can see how it was connected to the hard things that had happened. And again, the definition of trauma, this woundedness, this physical or emotional or both... Mm-hmm. Um, distressing disturbing event
1: events yeah
0: and it has shaped me tremendously in fact you know when i think about it the traumatic things in my life have shaped me more than anything else although mm-hmm. i think love is catching up yes. quick <laughs> there and you I, go. I want it to and i'm hoping that it continues because I am a different person now because of the love and acceptance that has come since. And a lot of that yeah. is me allowing that to come because I would not have allowed it growing up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I've definitely had my fair share of trauma in my life as well. I, I had a different growing up experience. So I didn't have a lot of trauma, as much trauma there. And all these things have really helped And shape David, like he's talking about. And of course, I've also gone through trauma in my life. My childhood was a lot different than that. But as I got older and got married, and now I'm going through a divorce, which is really distressing and traumatic in and of itself, and came from years of trauma. And so that has shaped me as well. I definitely was kind of the strong person, like going through the different things that I went through. I have to be, I should be stronger. I can handle this and I can make it through without feeling distress, right? That's a little bit my personality is I should, I can, I can do it. I can handle it. And that's really shaped me. And one of the things we're going to be talking about in how trauma manifests is it can manifest very physically when you're not fully processing and taking care of yourself and all of that. And and that ended up being a really big thing for me in my life with the trauma that I experienced. I ended up with several chronic illnesses. I had, had severe adrenal fatigue. I had I had chronic fatigue, I had thyroid issues, I had sleep just sleeping disorders, two of them. I mean, there was a lot that I experienced through trying to be strong enough to make it through and to push through. And I had to learn that that's not, you can't just stuff trauma, right? You can't just hide mm-hmm. that and just grin and bear it and be strong enough. I remember in a yoga class that I was in having the distinct thought that I had a negative core belief that strong people don't need nurturing and that I believed that about myself. I I believed I was a strong person and therefore I didn't need nurturing. And so it was... For me, a big realization into, oh, my goodness, how do I shift that in order to heal? Because I have all of this that I have to heal from. And so I was able to reframe that. And so my new mantra became strong people nurture. And in fact, even today, I'm wearing a little like stamped bracelet that I, um, made for myself this weekend that says nurture you. That was, that's another mantra that I've developed, like nurture you, you heal, you know, you're responsible to heal and, and take care of yourself. And that is part of healing from trauma. It's that self, that loving, Yourself enough to take the time and the energy that you need to, to move forward and to heal from the traumatic and distressing events that you have. Whether those are big T traumas or whether those are little T traumas, it's important.
0: And so good realization.
1: Yeah. We have these moments and that just like David said, like that has changed my life. And there's so many ways that I'm so grateful for the experiences that I've had. And uh, you know, I talk with, you know, friends and family and they're like, oh, you know, I'm so like, this is hard. And I wouldn't trade this. Like I can honestly say I wouldn't trade the experiences because of what they've made me, Mm -hmm. what I've learned and how I've grown. Just like David was saying, the trauma shapes your life, the things that you learn from that and the ways that you grow and progress are significant but just like we were saying before you have to recognize like this is what this is and it's okay that i'm experiencing the things that i'm experiencing
0: right i love that because it's it's empowering
1: mm-hmm.
0: you can try to be in denial about it yes but you're always fighting something you don't actually really know it's like the power of a diagnosis mm-hmm. often is that now there's understanding. There's explaining why certain things were happening. Mm-hmm. It's it's normal. Yes. It can be very empowering. Yeah. Actually.
1: Yes. Yeah. I remember when my one of my daughters was diagnosed after ten years of me taking her and like trying to figure things out, and she was finally diagnosed with autism, high functioning autism, and ADHD and anxiety. But that autism diagnosis was. So huge. It made everything make sense. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, well now we know what to do to move forward and how to help her. And so, and she is—it's so fun because she loves her diagnosis. She tells people all the time, like, "I'm." It's empowering. Sounds like. It really is for her because we talk about like, what does that mean and how does that shape you and it makes certain things maybe more challenging for you than other people, but it also makes other things easier. And you have so much more of a creative space in this Mm -hmm. way and just all of those things. So it's, it is, I think it's an empowering space to sit down with yourself, maybe put your hand on your heart and say, this is, this is reality. This is life. This is us moving forward. This is what I've been experiencing. And so I think that's it is, it's a really powerful thing. You can't heal, you can't move forward if you're not living in reality. <laughs> and I have a lot of clients that talk to me about well, I think maybe I just would rather and say so you can <laughs> it's like you matrix absolutely ignorance can. is bliss, right? Yes, you can. It's easier. It sounds easier sometimes. But, you know, if you're doing that, then you're always living life on the back end. Like we talked about with doing your dailies and putting the energy and effort into that front end. If you're not living in reality and doing the things, confronting life as it comes to you, then you're always living on the back end of you're still dealing with it. That's, you know, you're still dealing with the effects of the trauma, but your ability to move forward is inhibited.
0: Right. Mental health is a commitment yes. to reality at all costs. <laughs> you cannot be healthy if you cannot be in reality. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. So hopefully you're more loving and accepting of the traumatic experiences in your life and open to the impact that they've had and continue to have, Yeah, which we want to talk a little bit about.
1: Yeah. Let's talk about those. Trauma manifests in our lives physically, emotionally, and mentally. And so we're going to talk about each of those and what that looks like. And we have a clinical diagnosis of trauma, and that is post-traumatic stress
0: disorder. PTSD. Yep,
1: yeah, PTSD. And this diagnosis is it, if you don't have this, it doesn't mean you haven't experienced trauma, right? <laughs> right. This is just a clinical like little box we're going to put around a parameter around specific symptoms that, that are extreme. But the reason we want to go through this is you may recognize with various circumstances you've had in your life, a lot of these uh, symptoms and you may actually look through and go, oh my goodness, I have like all of those, or I have some of those, or most of those. And that can be a really validating process.
0: Right. Absolutely.
1: So, we're going to walk you through a clinical diagnosis of PTSD, post traumatic stress disorder. And I'd love for you to, you know, pull out a pad of paper and take notes see like what if this fits for me if you think about you know maybe you've gone through something really recent that's been very traumatic or maybe you're thinking back on a childhood event that always seems to come up for you or feels just stressful but we want to walk through some of these things and talk about them so the first criteria is an exposure to actual or threatened Physical, major physical harm. And for some people, that will take you out of the runnings for a, a full diagnosis of PTSD, right? Because we have a lot of emotionally traumatizing experiences that we go through. Although you will notice that a lot more therapists and researchers are really coming out and saying, hey, you can have. Just a strong of a PTSD reaction to something that is just emotional. So it's really kind of shifting where we're noticing the importance of emotional safety and not just physical safety.
0: So the traditional idea of like a war veteran or a soldier Mm -hmm. coming back, that fits the standard threatened death or physical injury. But we're finding that, again, emotional Threats Mm -hmm. are very important, too.
1: Yeah. So that first criteria is that actual or threatened death, serious injury, or sexual violence, either directly experiencing it, witnessing it as it happened to others, almost like the secondary trauma of learning that it happened to someone that's very close to you, or experiencing repeated or extreme exposure to adversive details of the traumatic event. For example, like police officers being repeatedly repeatedly exposed to details of abuse or responders collecting human remains, like those types of things where you're in that. And again, this is... This deals with physical safety, but emotional safety is just as critical, and we're really noticing that so
0: right and and just because this is a diagnosis that's recognized doesn't mean that there's not more coming mm-hmm. as we continue to do research and learn more, this is yes. just, yeah, you know, something that was really obviously off or wrong mm-hmm. with certain people. yeah, and now we're able to use that to learn more and find more,
1: yeah, we're noticing researchers are noticing, oh look, like People can have this exact, the exact responses to emotional circumstances as well. Right. So don't necessarily just count yourself out. If you're thinking, oh, well, I had a very emotionally traumatic thing, but there wasn't, like I wasn't, didn't have a threat of death or something like that.
0: Right. Because you'll find as we go through the rest of these symptoms, outside of that threat of death, these may sound Unfortunately very personal and relatable so
1: Okay, so pull out your little note taking and we'll go through these these next criteria. So the second one is the presence of one or more of the following five intrusive system symptoms, excuse me, associated I'll just say that again, one or more of the following intrusive symptoms. Associated with the traumatic events, and these would obviously then begin after the event occurred. So there's five of them, and you have to have one or more of these to qualify. Just one or more
0: of the next five.
1: Yeah, the first one is recurrent, involuntary, and intrusive distressing memories of the traumatic event. So anytime that you might that might come up, like you think about it, this was awful. This was hard. This experience was, you know, find yourself just thinking about it, maybe ruminating about it.
0: I call them IUTs, intrusi- or <laughs> intrusive unwanted thoughts, Aha! because you're going to find that they just sort of show up when you don't want them to. Mm-hmm. So you're doing the dishes. Let's say, for example, there was betrayal. You're doing the dishes and you think about it. You think yeah. about your spouse with that person. It just mm-hmm. shows up out of nowhere. You didn't ask for it. You weren't trying to think about it. It forced its way in, and that's the intrusive, involuntary nature of that.
1: Yeah. And then it pops up just occasionally or maybe repeatedly. Just it's recurring. The second one is, again, recurrent, distressing dreams. And where that content or the feelings around it are related to the trauma. So nightmares or other times when you like wake up and you just are feeling that major distress from something that reminded you of the traumatic event
0: yep the third is dissociative reactions or flashbacks in which you feel or act as if the event is recurring kind of like you're back in it Mm -hmm. it can occur on a continuum where the most extreme expression is a complete loss of awareness of present surroundings this is why that's dissociative at times yes doesn't have to be dissociative, but you just feel like you're back in it. Like either you just learned about it for the first time again, or you're right back. The threat feels just as real as discovery or when it happened.
1: Yeah. And that can come, you know, in waves, right? You can have that experience where you seem to be fine. And then all of a sudden you just feel everything coming back for you or something is reminding you all of a sudden you're like kind of seeing it in your mind
0: again now remember you just need one of these five yes number three yeah so if you've had (laughs) recurrent intrusive thoughts that's all you would need if you have recurrent distressing dreams that would be all you need dissociative reactions it feels like you're back in the event Mm -hmm. that's three
1: Yeah. And four is intense or prolonged psychological distress at exposure to either internal or external cues that symbolize or resemble part of that traumatic event. So this is, so for example, I was reading a book on developing allergies as a response to trauma. And in that book, there's a story of a woman who was eating peaches and chatting with her son on the phone and then she heard a gunshot sound the phone went dead and she's sitting there wanting to know what's going on she can't get a hold of him half an hour later he calls her back and so what's she thinking she's thinking he's dead he just got shot I can't get a hold of him she finally gets a hold of him finds out oh it just just happened that a car that was driving by backfired at the same time that his phone died. And so there was no trauma, right? But she had experienced trauma. It For that half an hour, it was an extremely traumatic event. She couldn't reach him. She thought he died. And she was allergic to peaches from that day forward. She mm. couldn't eat peaches. And so obviously having coming with a full-blown allergy as a result of something is more on the extreme end of that spectrum, but these types of distress that that was an external cue. Her body associated the peach with the trauma. And so she couldn't eat peaches anymore. Things like I've done healing work with people who were raped in a shower. They can't shower anymore. That's very traumatic or hearing running water Mm -hmm. is very traumatic. So These are maybe some external cues. I've had clients that have had betrayal trauma that were pregnant at the time, and then they had a pregnancy later and had trauma reactions that came up as a result of that situation. Or, you know, maybe something else internally was going on for you. And your body associates that with a trauma, and so you have psychological distress that intense or long-term distress when you have some of those internal or external cues that your body is associating with the trauma.
0: Yeah. And this is really similar to the last one. Number five, this one is focused on psychological distress with cues. And the last one is physiological distress with cues. So both of these often, they, they often come together Mm -hmm. and, and you think of like, let's say your partner has been hiding Pornography, for example,
1: mm-hmm.
0: a really common cue would be that they are on their phone late yeah. or they're on the computer or anything like that. It could be you discovered that there was a relationship with someone else mm-hmm. and you knew or know where they had been. And so as you're shopping and driving around, you're passing mm-hmm. certain areas. And those are cues that become very distressing, yes, either psychologically or physically or both. And often it's both. Yeah. And you would only need one of these five that we've talked about for you to meet the criteria in this B section of PTSD. And so you see how easy it would be if there's legitimate trauma to probably meet most of these.
1: Yes. Yeah. And oftentimes with betrayal trauma, a client will present with every single one one of of those. Maybe they might not have one. But... Yeah. All of those. Yes. Thanks for pointing out the the psychological and physiological. I think I read the wrong one as we were going through that, but it's, it's true. You can have psychological distress, like the the anxiety, you can end up panic attacks, like all different types of psychological distress. Rumination and obsession is a big one where you just can't stop thinking about it. And you're trying to figure out how to fix it. Like, what if I did this, or maybe I should have done this better, you know, that type of, or Or I have to go look at his phone or I have to go look on the computer and see what I can find to see, you know, that's your brain trying to, you know, protect yourself. And that's that psychological distress. And like, like David was saying, yes, oftentimes clients present with that trauma around like maybe their spouse has been sober for a long time, but they walk in and their spouse is on their phone and it's a major major traumatic or And it can even
0: come when they're doing well. They're not asking yeah. I mean that's you're not asking for this kind of a reaction. Things can be going well, they're mm-hmm. doing well, you just see it and your body, your body a reacts switch and reacts.
1: It's not something you're you're choosing in that right. moment.
0: So that's all B. Remember A was actual death or threatened death or harm. That's the yeah. one that Physical maybe doesn't harm. fit every time with something mm-hmm. like betrayal trauma. But B, that section B we just talked about. One section C is avoidance. You're avoiding things that are associated with the traumatic event. Mm-hmm. And this happens after. And yeah. so after something has happened, you learn of something with your partner, discovery day, we call it D-Day. The mm-hmm. first time you either caught them or they told you, that becomes D-Day in a sense. And then you, because of that, avoid certain things. So that includes efforts to avoid distressing memories, thoughts, or feelings about or closely associated with a traumatic event. Yeah. And so there's a real avoidance to anything around what happened, the memories, the thoughts, the feelings. And and this is going to make sense, right? Because it's painful.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you're avoiding
0: that. Or you avoid efforts... You make efforts to avoid external reminders. And this is, again, going back to people or places or situations, mm-hmm. locations, objects, situations, all of these that are distressing. Either thoughts, feelings, you're just avoiding all of it. Yeah. And it's about as simple as that. So Section C, mm-hmm. if you are actively avoiding anything associated with the memory, you would you would qualify. Yeah. So... B you probably qualify, C you probably qualify yeah and and again, we're not we're not trying to officially diagnose anyone listening with actual PTSD yeah but it's important to understand to the impact and
1: and sometimes it's helpful to say, wow, this hit me hard enough that I, I feel like looking at this, I could I basically qualify right. for that. It's, That's
0: an important realization.
1: I, I have gone through stress and distress and trauma sufficient that I could be... I could fit this just as well as maybe someone who's been in war or right. something like that. So... Yeah, so if you're avoiding, like David was saying, if you are don't drive by this one place because of what happened there, you know that something happened there or something like that. So D is a negative effect of your thoughts or your mood that's associated with the trauma. So it starts or gets worse after trauma occurs, and this is two or more of the following seven. So you can buckle up and get ready for these and see what, what fits for you. So the first one is an inability to remember part of the event. So this isn't related to like, if you were on drugs or were drunk or something like that, or had a head injury, this would be more from, dissociation or dissociative amnesia is
0: what it's called kind of like it was so impactful that when they told you that they were having an affair for example you forgot important details yeah and it could be of of that night of where you were what was going on you just more or less for lack of a better word kind of blocked it out
1: yeah it was that
0: impactful that you blocked things out
1: yeah it was that that painful and that traumatic And especially if you have something where you're getting like a trickle disclosure over time, you know, you might remember pieces of it, but not everything. And so that that's what that criteria is. So the second one is to have exaggerated and persistent beliefs or expectations that are negative that come from that experience.
0: And this is super common, probably yes. in my experience, the most common. So let's say a partner comes in and says, I learned about my, my spouse's affair. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very common to then have a negative belief about yourself, that you're not good enough. Yes.
1: That if I worked out more. You're I... not
0: lovable. You're not attractive yes. enough. There's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. It's persistent and exaggerated. Yes. Now we all kind of struggle with this already, right? We've talked about this in other episodes, but it really takes it up a notch mm-hmm. after something like this happens.
1: And this isn't just about yourself. This is about yourself, others, or the world. So another one that I see a lot is after betrayal, the the betrayed spouse. It's like, I think everybody looks, every, I look around and every guy's looking at porn. Anytime you see a guy on their phone, they're looking at porn. They're looking at porn. They're you know, they're having an affair. They're having an affair. The world isn't a safe place anymore. You know, all of these different negative beliefs that just, they get taken up a notch, just like David was saying and, or can just occur. They weren't maybe there before. Like you were just maybe a really trusting person and everybody's wonderful. And now everybody's out with ulterior motives and no one's actually a good safe person anymore and all of that
0: yep so that's two of seven three is very similar you feel like it's your fault so you're kind of stuck Mm -hmm. on this idea that you're the reason for whatever happened to happen yeah and And that's pretty common too actually mm -hmm. had i been more of something this wouldn't have happened yes which is not true 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 And so that's the distortion. That's as if you alone were responsible for whatever happened, which often their choices are responsible for what happened and not you. Yes. And that's an important distinction.
1: And it's the cause or the consequences of it, right? If this hadn't, if these consequences, like this is all my fault, if I had done something different, then maybe things would improve more quickly or get better faster, or, mm-hmm. you know, that would be a, examples of consequences just that have been distorted. Okay. Number four is just a negative state long-term. So whether that's fear or anger or guilt or shame or sadness, this is a huge one. This comes a lot. We see a lot of depression that comes mm-hmm. a res- as a result
0: People's trauma feeling like their personalities have shifted and they're not the same as they were before. They're just Mm -hmm. sadder. They're just more withdrawn. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Things don't life isn't happy anymore. You can't get out of bed. Those kinds of things
0: and that's actually the next one is it's very much depression number five is Mm -hmm. diminished interest or participation in significant activities especially things that you like to do before you just are no longer interested in family activities anything like that could be hobbies yeah um, exercise things you did before that you just have lost interest in
1: yeah you just don't want to get out of bed sometimes yeah i've had clients who's have dishes that are like molding in their sink because they just can't get up, can't do the things. They just have that such a negative emotional state that they can't move through. Feelings of detachment or estrangement from others is number six. And that's that isolated space. That's that feeling like there's almost like a wall between me and other people. Like I just can't seem to connect. I can't seem to make you know, have that conversation or be close to someone or whatever. I just feel very detached and separate from them.
0: Kind of like you just don't fit in anywhere.
1: Mhm. Yeah.
0: And then finally, number 7, and remember you just need two or more. Yes. 7. Number 7 is an inability to just be happy and experience positive emotions. Like yeah. Happiness, satisfaction, loving feelings. It feels like something's in the way of of you experiencing those more positive things. Mm -hmm. And so all you would need is two of those seven we just read to resonate. And by the way, we should have said this earlier. You are welcome to pull up PTSD symptoms, diagnosis on the internet and follow along because this is all in there.
1: Yes. (laughs) Just occurs to
0: us like you're hanging on our every word. But no, you can pull this up on Google and it would show you.
1: Yeah. The DSM diagnostic
0: criteria. So two of those
1: seven. Two of those seven,
0: that's it. And that's the D, negative thoughts and mood.
1: Yeah, so as you go through, just to maybe clarify, as you go through each of these A, B, C, and D, you have to hit all of the A, B, C, and D and then of course for each of those we're saying okay for d you only need two of seven for b you need one
0: yeah it's kind of this weird puzzle we have to try to put together as therapists when we're diagnosing
1: (laughs) yes yes so let's talk about e then e is a marked alteration in arousal and okay now we're gonna say that totally differently the
0: wording is always really really clinical
1: let's let's say that again okay
0: it's really you're just super sensitive Here's a, here's a way to think about it. So, so part E is you're different in the way you react, and it's because of what happened. After what's happened, you react differently. Mm-hmm. You're more sensitive. And then, again, it two or more different. of the following.
1: And you know, It can look different for different people. Yep. So this is the two or more of the following ways that you're more sensitive or react differently to things.
0: So I'm just going to go through all of these. And... You can think, do I hit two or more of these? Yeah. So more irritable, more angry, reckless or self-destructive, hypervigilance, go figure, exaggerated startle response, problems with concentration, or sleep disturbance. Either it's hard to fall asleep or stay asleep. Or you're just restless
1: in your sleep.
0: You just need two of those things and then you would qualify for this uh, big enough difference in reactivity and arousal because of whatever event happened.
1: Yeah. And then F just helps you. This, these are more criteria to help the clinician that's diagnosing say, okay, this has been long enough, so it has to have gone on for more than a month these criteria b c d and e so say you met all of those for more than a month then you would then f is met g is that it's significantly distressing or impairing your social work or other important areas of functioning home life that it's causing you a lot of distress in these different areas right
0: and it's a big deal in other words.
1: Yes, yes. It's causing problems in your life. It's not just like, oh, this little thing, but it's causing significant problems in your life. And then H is just ruling out that it's not because of a substance, a medication, or another medical condition that's going on. So really those, those first, the B, C, D, and E are going to be those significant ones that you look at.
0: And and this is significant when you break it down because the only thing might be A is what's the actual event. And that might be, you know, it actually has to be some sort of threatened death or physical harm. Well, if you set that aside for a moment and assume that emotional can be very powerful, like physical, Mm -hmm. you probably find that BCDE you have symptoms for and enough to qualify. Now, again, this isn't about... We want to diagnose you as having PTSD. Right. But I think you would agree awareness. that PTSD is a big deal. Yes. And if you have it, you need help. Yes. And it's not that something's wrong with you. It's there was something very distressing that's that had an impact on your life. You. It's not your fault.
1: Mm-hmm. This is
0: something that happened to you. And you need to take it seriously.
1: Yeah. You and deserve so then to take it seriously. If you have significant symptoms that are similar maybe don't fit the full criteria but if you have significant symptoms that are similar you also need help and support yeah. so hopefully that is what you can get out of that and that that ends up being a validating space for you as yeah. you say wow if ptsd is that big of a deal and I'm fitting a lot of these criteria, then maybe what happened to me is a big deal too.
0: Give yourself permission. Mm -hmm. Yep.
1: That it was that hard.
0: And you deserve and need a healing process from this woundedness. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk more about that
1: in the next
0: episode. This was more to give you an idea of what trauma is, how it shows up, what it feels like. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as well.
1: So catch us next time when we talk about what do we do about that and other manifestations of trauma that we have. Until then. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Two Therapists Talking. We look forward to sharing more conversations with you. Connect with us at twotherapisttalking.com or email podcast at twotherapisttalking.com. If you like what you're hearing, please get on and rate us and subscribe to the podcast.